Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. At 88 years old, Audrey Flack holds a unique place in the history of contemporary art in America. Feminist, rebel, mother, painter, sculptor, and teacher. Audrey's often controversial 40-year career evolved from abstract expressionism in the 1950s to photorealism in the 1970s. One of the first women ever included in the famed Janssen History of Art, Audrey continues to create explore and inspire with her unique style and indomitable spirit. Queen of Hearts follows Flack as she takes her work in a brand new direction and reveals a long-term struggle as a mother of a child with autism. Flack has something deep and genuine to communicate to the world. She is a provocateur and a rebel, an example and an inspiration. Queen of Hearts is a moving portrait of an artist who is still testing, still experimenting, still searching. The film is called Queen of Hearts, Audrey Flack, and we're joined today by the director, and that would be Deborah Schaefer. Deborah, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, tell me a little bit about how you approached Audrey Flack about doing a documentary. What was, was there something that it was going on in her life? Was there some sort of event that prompted you to think about this and then move <laughs> forward? Or, Well, I, I think the origin story of this film much like the origin stories of many of my films, and I suspect many of other people's films too, is it was pretty much by accident. I did not set out to make a film about an artist particularly. I did not. I think the thing that some people find surprising is I did not know that much about Audrey Flack or her work when I met her. What happened was one of the producers of the film, Amy Sultan, had been, we had been partners on a previous film in 2011 called To Be Heard about a poetry workshop in the South Bronx. And Amy said to me one day, I've met this amazing woman and you have to make a film about her. And I said, foolishly, as I've done in the past and ended up with a film, I said, okay, but not, you know, I wasn't convinced yet, but we, um, Amy and I met with Audrey for coffee. And I remember it very clearly. It was, uh, it was 2015. It was the winter of 2015. It's over, over five years ago. And we met in a coffee shop on the Upper West Side. And Audrey kind of told her life story over coffee in a nutshell. And I mean, if you've seen the film, you know that Audrey is an extraordinary storyteller yeah. and a very, very compelling personality. And um, I, the short, the, the, really the short way to say it is I fell in love with her. Like right then and there, it was like, oh my God, Amy's right. We have to do a film about this person. She is amazing. And I didn't know that much um, about her art. And I would say the other thing that really informed that, um, that was underpinning all that was, you know, I've been making documentaries um, for almost 50 years. And, you know, it's often been a struggle. It's not, it's not an easy field to to stay in, to have success in, to keep doing the fundraising and, and just all the things you have to take a lot of rejection and a lot of failure. And it's just, it's hard, it's hard work. So I was, I'm very interested in the problems of aging in this profession and what happens to older 
uh, especially in film, which is, as we know, is no big secret, is very ageist. I mean, Hollywood is, very, you know, uh, there's a lot of discrimination against older women in front of the camera, and there is behind the camera as well. Um, I think less in documentaries probably than in other fields, but I was just interested personally in, you know, what am I going to be doing in 20 years? And Audrey is such an inspiration. And I mean, she's, Audrey is now 89 and she's working on a new painting. She's working, you know, for artists, for certain artists, the pandemic has been not so bad because they can go in their studio uninterrupted and work. And that's what Audrey's doing. She is just truly amazing that way. And then, you know, and then I did get to know about her work. And then I, I invited Rachel Reichman, who's my collaborator on the film. She became my, I hired her as an editor, but she became the co-director of the film. I had worked with her some years before we'd worked on a public television project. And I remembered her as a very great editor. And so when we were doing a little fundraising piece for the film, I think in probably about 2016, I reached out to Rachel and asked if she would help put like a 10 minute clip together. And I knew that Rachel was a great editor. What I didn't know was that her mother had been an art teacher and that Rachel had grown up sort of in museums, especially in St. Louis where she'd grown up and that she had a very, very extensive background in art history. And that when she was a teenager, she had discovered Audrey Flack and loved her work. Rachel brought a real art knowledge and perspective to the project initially. And, you know, I give her credit for the film not just being Audrey's biography in a way, you know, not just Audrey's life, but but really situating her in like cultural history, political history and art history. What other people were doing at the time and just before her and alongside. And Rachel's background really enriched the film immeasurably. Yeah. Um, it also made our job hard because then we had to wrestle with you know, it, it was hard to integrate all those. Hopefully it looks pretty seamless now, but yeah. it wasn't so seamless when we were putting it together. Well, I will tell you, as someone who watches a lot of films, particularly documentary films, when we meet Audrey in the film, I knew immediately that I was going to like her. That's not a small thing if you're going to be watching a documentary about someone, but she is an immensely likable person. Plus she's very present. She's very conversational. She's engaging. There's a lot of things about her and she just seems so alive in terms of everything. I mean, her family life, uh, her art, her, uh, her friends, she seems very connected to a sort of a network of people that she must get a lot from. She's all of those things in the first couple of minutes of the film, which I really, really liked about how you went about presenting her. I think it took me a long time. I worked in film for many years before I realized even in documentaries, it's first and foremost, it's in the casting. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. you, you got to have somebody. Yeah, you have to, uh, you have to have somebody you're going to want to go on a journey with. You're going to have, you, there's somebody that you can identify with, that you can feel with, that you can laugh with, that you can cry with. I think that was not so much. I mean, nowadays documentaries, I think have, you know, reached just the most amazing kind of um, high standards of, uh, but when I started, they weren't, you know, I used to tell people, um, you know, people say, oh, what do you do? And I thought, oh, I make documentary films and they would go, oh, 
<laughs> it was not interesting 40 years ago to right. make documentaries. It really wasn't. People right. just thought about all these horrible films they'd seen in school and all these boring whatever. Exactly. And, World um, at War kind of things, you know, those sort of documentaries, right? Those were the sort of what, what we grew up with, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, it, it has changed. And of course, it wasn't always just that. Yeah, first and foremost, character. Character. And to that point, you don't have to necessarily, quote unquote, like the person. I mean, it, it helps if they're a likable person and that's part of that's a part of their story. But someone, as you said, someone who's interesting, someone that is going to be engaging, be be something that that you can't take your eyes off of. And and that I, I really felt that way about Audrey when I saw her in the film. Um, by the way, I do want to point out, and I should have said something in the introduction, you are an Academy Award winning filmmaker. Um, the film was uh, Witness to War, Dr. Charlie Clements, which won the Academy Award. Yes. Congratulations yes. on your Thank work you. and, and a long, long history of film work. But I just want, I should have mentioned that in our introduction. But was Audrey all in on the idea of you following her around in her life or did it take a little bit of warming up? How, how did she, was she cagey about it? What, how, how did no, that she, go? She was never cagey. Gosh, I wish Audrey was here because she tells funny stories about it. Uh, actually, I think Audrey had wanted somebody to document her work. So I think she was very interested in the idea of somebody making a film about her. I think what she didn't expect and didn't realize was that this was not going to be her film that I was the director and I was gonna direct it. And uh, it's not that she withheld from us. She and I really had a bond. And, you know, I, I think she was pretty much from the beginning, pretty open and uh, she wasn't, it, it took a long time to convince her to let us film with her daughter, the one who's living in an institution, actually. Right. She was really reluctant to go there. And it wasn't, in, that was really late in the filming process. I think it wasn't until she really trusted us quite a lot. That's Melissa. Um, right? Melissa, yeah. yeah. And then, and Hannah didn't really, for her own, Hannah just didn't really want to be in the film very much. Uh, she didn't want to be on camera. She's very, um, I get that. I wouldn't want to either. Uh, <laughs> I totally get it. So um, she, you know, agreed to do the music scene that's at the end of the film where she's playing music with her mom. Beautiful scene. Um, what a great Yeah, movie. it is actually. Yeah. I, I really yeah. quite love it. So, but at a certain point in the film, one of the, the funny stories is at a certain point in the film, um, Audrey started asking me to see what we were doing. And I said, no, you can't, you can't see it. <laughs> can't. Um, what I did was I promised to show it to her, you know, right before it was done. Oh, and I know, so as we were, it took us a long time. We worked on the editing for not full-time, but we worked on it for over a year. I mean, Rachel had some family. Her mother was ill, and she was going back and forth to St. Louis and yeah. was raising money. I didn't have all the money, and um, it was not a just a, a straight line. So it went on for quite a while, but she would probably tell you that she was secretly quite suspicious at a certain point. What are these girls, you know, what are they doing? So I, I wouldn't show her the film. She would ask me, and I wouldn't show it to her. So she finally, she came up with a new line. She, she always, Audrey always finds an angle. She's really persistent. So she finally started saying to me, what's wrong with it if you won't show it to me? What's wrong with it? Something must be wrong with it if you won't show it to me. <laughs> I can say, Audrey, nothing's wrong. I promise, I promise. So we showed it to her a week. We were really done. We had, you know, not quite locked the picture. It was a week before we finished. And we had a, a sort of a private screening. I have a friend who lives in a very nice fancy building uptown and has a beautiful private screening room. And we invited friends of Audrey's 
and I invited friends of mine. We all, you know, had our moral support there, maybe 25 or 30 people. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it was quite, I think Audrey was quite stunned by the film. She was quite moved by it. The and next time she saw it was at a film festival. We opened at a film festival upstate as I walked and the theater was full at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, a big old beautiful theater in um, Chatham, New York. And as I was walking down the aisle to go up to the stage at the end as people were applauding, Audrey was sitting in her seat crying. I mean, she was really very moved by the film and by, by people's reaction to it and by yeah. people's response to her and her work and her story. I mean, I just think it's really important. I'm really glad, you know, we didn't shy away from including her personal story yeah. with the story of her art. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful film to look at also. I mean, it's, it, it, there's everything about it. Well, let's talk about Audrey Flack and her career. It's an amazing career and something that I'm, I'm not an expert in the world of art by any stretch of the imagination. However, I don't know if I've heard of someone who made as many kind of turns in her career uh, from abstract expressionism to new realism, to the, 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 the career path, her arc is quite extraordinary. Am I, is that fair to say in terms of the world of art, especially at the realm that she was in when she began to achieve acclaim, I would think it would be very unusual for an artist to make those kind of turns or into other styles of art. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think some artists do. I mean, if you thought it was funny, I was at the Museum of Modern Art yesterday or earlier this week anyway, and I was walking through the rooms where there are a lot of Picassos and, you know, it's he changed a lot throughout yeah, his yeah, career. That's true. Yeah. Um, and certain, certain artists, I mean, artists develop. Right. I think Audrey made more kind of really sharp turns than sort of developmental, leaving photorealism completely behind right and she never really went back to it and then sculpture and then she left that completely behind let's talk about the different so she starts out in the art world as well she started as an abstract expressionist when she was really still a student at cooper union and that's because that's who was teaching her and that's what was around then i mean she was hanging out with jackson pollock and those guys at the cedar tavern in, in the village. And she was a wonderful abstract expressionist painter. When I finally saw those works of hers yeah. and her gallery has them for sale, they're, they're terrific. She was really, they're, they're beautiful, beautiful paintings. She has a lot of them hanging in her home in East Hampton also. They're wonderful. You know, very often that's students start, they follow their teachers. Um, they start in that style until they've developed their own style. I don't know when she, Oh, well, she tells the story of really how she became a photorealist. I mean, she was a realist painter first. She was never really satisfied with abstract expressionism. And, you know, I think it was it, it rebelling against the people like Joseph Albers. She had teachers who said, you don't paint the figure. You don't paint objects. You paint, you know, lines and volumes. And, and she really secretly couldn't abide that and, and was always drawing and painting. And then I think... Uh, you know, when she was out of school and on her own, she just, she was painting realist paintings. And the story, I think the story she tells about when her children were very small and she couldn't, she couldn't go work with a model in the middle of the day because she was taking care of, of these small children, one of whom was autistic and extremely demanding. I mean, it was 24 seven mm -hmm. and her husband wasn't around much. And then, and, and then they separated. So she was on her own with those kids and not much money. So the only way she could paint was at night when they finally went to sleep and she could paint from a photograph. 
so she just started painting from photographs. Right. And well, the one thing in the in that part of the film where she said, "I was determined not to give up painting." That was the one thing that was the light in my life that I needed to to have. Oh, I was going to say that before when you talked about her changing, you know, directions and stuff. The, 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 one of the things that really attracted me to Audrey in the very beginning, people asked me, they said, well, why do you want to do If a lot of people who, if they knew her photorealist work, they sometimes weren't fans. And so they would be saying, well, why are you doing a film about her? Why are you doing a film about Audrey Flack? And I said, you know, she's the real deal as an artist. She really is. She's compelled to create what she creates. And it's not like she sits down and makes a decision, you know, that today I'm going to do this and tomorrow I'm going to become a sculptor and the day after that I'm going to... She is, you know, she does it because she can't not do it. And she doesn't really do it for the market or the reviews or the what people like or what people don't like. And she's really the real deal. She's a genuine, true... <laughs> Artist. Bread in the bone yeah. artist in every yeah. fiber of her being. And that want, attracted me. Yeah. And I, I do want to, first, I want to remind our listeners, we're talking about the film, this beautiful documentary film called Queen of Hearts, Audrey Flack. And we're talking with, with the director, uh, Deborah Schaefer. And in the film, uh, there was uh, some to do made of the fact that during the, the, the 70s, which was a, a period of, in the art world where women were begin to beginning to win a on a grander scale and more, more numerous, uh, assert themselves in the art world. And there was, there was, that was the time of the ERA. Does anybody remember there was actually a, an amendment to the constitution proposed to actually, uh, God. Um, so, uh, still not passed. I know we're only two and they're only like two <laughs> States away. They're two or three States away from passing it. Here we are 30, 40 years later, we're still talking about this. Don't get me started. That was that's nuts. That is absolutely crazy. But anyway, she says, to quote her, I am not a feminist artist. I am an artist who happens to be a feminist. And I want to talk about that part of her career because I think it, it not just dealing with uh, the situations that she had to deal with at home, so many other things about her life, but also trying to push that rock up the hill in, in a way that that matters. And um do you want to talk about that part of her career, part of her life, what it meant to her to be in the forefront of women who were asserting themselves in the art world, who were, how, how do you want to put it? Well, as you see, it's, she's still pushing the rock uphill. I mean, there is still, I think, so I, I've just added a signature to the bottom of, I'm going to read it to you. I've just added a signature to the bottom of my email. It's something I cut out of the New York Times, had it sitting on my dining table for a long time. And then I said, I'm just going to put this on the bottom of my email because it just, I didn't know what else to do with it. So this is from, I think, um, October 10th. A Williams College study last year of 18 major U.S. museums found that 85% of artists, artists in their collections were white and that 87% were men. Now that says it all. I mean, it is still a white man's world. It, and, it's it's just astounding. Well, we and, just, well, just a couple of days ago, we found out just how much of the country feels that way. Who would have thought after four years of this that this was still a good idea? Who and that many people in this country thought that? I just yeah, it's, that's the worst part of it. I want to say something. I just want to make a little plug for something because um, there's a painting that we uh, show in the film called Leonardo's Lady which I believe is the first photorealist painting that the Museum of Modern Art ever acquired, and it's an Audrey Flack. 
And um, they bought it from her. It was painted in 74. They bought it from her in 1975. I don't know if it had hung then for a while or whatever, but it hasn't been seen for a long time. And my partner, Rachel, went to the went to MoMA when it just reopened recently after the after the pandemic. They had a big reopening and she takes the escalator up to the fifth floor, which is the top floor of galleries. And right there at the top of the escalator is hanging Leonardo's Lee. They got it out of storage and they hung it up now. And it looks fantastic. I just went to see it this week. It is fabulous. As Rachel said, it looks like it was painted yesterday. It's so fresh. I mean, yeah. in every way, not just the paint, but the the whole, Audrey's paintings, like many paintings, unfortunately film is a tricky medium because it doesn't really do justice to the paintings. When we went to the Parish Art Museum, we filmed that painting Wheel of Fortune that was in the show in Southampton. I was just blown away when I saw the painting in person. You know, a book, a photograph in a book maybe gives you 25% and the film maybe gives you 50%. You have to go see the paintings in yeah. person. Well, and and the same thing with World War II, that magnificent painting that's that's in Pennsylvania at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. It's just when you see it in person, it's, it's, it's something else happens. I had the same experience with other uh, films about artists. I don't know if there's a short film called, uh, I think it's called The Hundred Year party. It's about Carmen Herrera, who's a uh, Cuban-born artist who was ignored. She had her first solo show at the Whitney when she was 100. Oh <laughs> and there's a charming short film about her. And I didn't, the art in the film, I was like, okay, it's a great film, actually. Yeah, yeah. But then I went to the Whitney and saw the show. And it's the same thing. I was like, oh my God, these paintings are wonderful. You know, film is still two-dimensional. It's yeah, it's, it's something about the textures that you, you that your eye picks up that in a, in real life, right? When you're standing in front of something, right? Isn't that you see the text yeah. and you can kind of yeah, go see the art. Everybody yeah. go see the art. Audrey Flack continues to be an incredible artist. And did she has she finished the painting that we see in the film? Is she is that the one that she's starting at the very beginning? Yes, it's in the yeah. show you see at the very end, the one that's okay. called Fiat Lux, Let There Be Light. You know, at the very end of the painting, there's a white canvas and she wipes her hand over it. Yes, I was going to ask you about so that. So that became the, um, I'm not sure what she titled it now. It was called The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. It became the painting she envisioned and that recently sold. Uh, Fantastic. Very, very nicely. It's it's because it's sort of a judgment day. It's uh, it's really a, quite a, a, no, it's a stunning, huge painting and it just sold. Oh, that's fantastic! Well, well, the the one with Superman and and all and, and you know that that was the one that I, yeah that's, that yes that's incredible that's incredible. That's finished. I'm not sure if it's sold or not. Actually, not, it could still be with her gallery. I don't know. I want to let people know if they that that they should be looking for this film. They should really uh, see this film because it is uh, it's wonderfully done, beautiful, great subject. The film again is called Queen of Hearts, Audrey Flack, and you can go to audreyflackfilm.com to find out more about the film, about the filmmaker, the filmmaking team and the screenings. And that's important because it, the film will begin screening and virtual release on uh, November 13th. And there are links to how you can do that in the Los Angeles area. So do that, go to audreyflackfilm.com to find out about the film. Deborah Schaefer, this has been an amazing conversation. I wanna thank you so very much for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. 
You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.